0: Some tech news on this uh, Tuesday afternoon, so let's uh, get tech expert Carmi Levy in here. Carmi, good afternoon.
1: Hello, Jeff. Great to be here.
0: Great to have you, uh, as always. Uh, I want to start with the uh, latest on uh, Canada's online streaming bill, because uh, we got uh, word late yesterday from the Heritage Minister that uh, this bill is going to generate, they now think, some uh, $1 billion a year for Canada's uh, creative sector. Uh, Before we get to that and where that uh, money is going and how it's going to help, can you just tell us again exactly what is the online streaming bill, Carmi?
1: Sure thing. So it's also known as Bill C-11, and basically it'll give uh, the government, national regulator, the CRTC, um, the rights to uh, regulate online streaming platforms. It's... It's an update to uh, the Broadcasting Act that has been in place now for a very, very long time. Uh, it hasn't seen any changes since 1991, of course, long before Netflix and any of these other digital technologies were even, uh, you know, like we could even dream of them. And so it clearly needs to be updated to reflect the realities of broadcasting and digital broadcasting in the digital age. Um, And what it would do specifically is that it would require companies like Netflix, who have essentially been getting a free ride, they collect subscriptions from you and me, um, but they don't pay back into the system. If you're a traditional broadcaster, then you are responsible for contributing to Canada's cultural industries, and they do so to to the tune of $3 billion a year. To ensure that Canadian shows get produced in Canadian venues and that they're staffed by Canadian uh, uh, industry professionals, uh, but Netflix and others, Disney Plus, uh, you know, Apple TV Plus, they're not subject to those rules, so they they can collect the revenues, but they're not responsible for contributing back to the market that's making them rich. So uh, C eleven would co- would correct that, among other things. I would ensure that streaming companies would be part of that con- contribution back to Canada's cultural industries and ensure that when you watch Netflix, you're going to see Canadian shows produced by Canadians uh, and shot in Canadian venues, which, of course, then benefit from all that great economic activity.
0: So are we about to see, Carmi, a significant shift when it comes to uh, streaming services like Netflix, uh, Disney Plus, uh, the list goes on and on. And uh, what are they saying about this uh, streaming bill?
1: Well, of course, they're not too happy about that. They they want to operate on the the thinnest possible margins. They don't very much like governments telling them where they need to spend their money and how much. Uh, for example, Netflix has fought tooth and nail efforts to get it to pay taxes in the countries where it collects subscription revenues. They're saying if they don't have a footprint in Canada, um, if all they're doing is operating digitally. Out of the U.S. And, and sending signal to Canada that they shouldn't have to pay taxes in Canada. Of course, you know most Canadians would very, uh, very significantly disagree with that. Um, if you're going to benefit from doing business here, however you do business here, then you really should pay back. It's fair. Um, so they, of course, not very happy about this because it's about to make their costs go up. Which uh, you know anyone who subscribes to these services know they have been getting more expensive. Basically, that will set the stage for uh, for streaming services to become even more expensive in future, because if their cost of business goes up, then guess what? Your subscription rates are going to go up, too.
0: Yeah. So should Bill C-11, uh, should it or uh, could it uh, change things when it comes to Canadian consumers and customers, what they'll be able to stream into the future? Is there any risk when you talk about uh, these added costs for some of these streaming services that they might choose not to do business here in Canada?
1: I don't think they would pull out of Canada entirely. I think the the potential for revenue there is simply too great. Um, I think what they would do, though, is they would cut back in other areas. For example, you might see them reduce their overall investment in content. They're spending upwards of $17 billion US on content this year alone. That's up from $11 billion just a couple of years ago. So that trend line is very steep. And so I think what might happen is if they don't like if they feel that the the ocean is becoming more turbulent around them so to speak they'll probably lessen the steepness of that curve the growth in investment will probably tail off Uh, and then you know the net effect is is as you're scrolling through what to watch on a saturday night with your family you're probably going to have less choice or you might have older content or you might not have the latest and greatest sort of coolest big big name productions um, so we may have to temper our expectations too. If we wanna have uh, you know, the next house of cards, then we're gonna have to pay for that. Uh, but if we wanna have just something that was pulled out of the vault, is sort of dusty old movie, uh, well, then, yeah, we'll pay less for it, but it'll be less exciting for us to watch. And so we as consumers will ultimately vote with our wallets. We'll decide what we're willing to pay for, what we're willing to receive in return. And where that line is, where we decide, you know, I'm not getting that value anymore. Maybe I think I'm going to drop this subscription altogether. Uh, from where, from Netflix's perspective or Disney Plus's perspective, uh, you know, they're hoping that we stay below that line and they're going to operate as close as possible to that line without forcing us to sort of say, OK, we're cutting it entirely.
0: Right. And as you well know, Carmi, I mean, streaming service, uh, that industry, it is ultra competitive uh, right now between Netflix, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus, and the list goes uh, on and on. Mm And let's not also discount uh, what Canadian content providers, what they can uh, provide, uh, if you will. I mean, just look at our track record as of late. I mean, we're talking world-class productions when it comes to things like Shits Creek, Kim's Convenience. And uh, I am sure that a lot of these streaming uh, providers uh, know just uh, you know what a treasure trove of uh, talent and content there is in this country.
1: Canada is a powerhouse of cultural talent, always has been, always will be. We're a, we're a country of you know, a sparse population spread along a very long border subject to some very harsh weather conditions, which shapes who we are, shapes how we tell stories, shapes our artistic output. Um, and so we fight well beyond our weight class globally when it comes to music, movies, television, theater, you name it, uh, authors, uh, writing books, um, you know, Canada is, you know, we're it. And so the good news here is that if we have the right legislation in place, it allows our, our artistic powerhouses to find audiences. It allows them to work with the Netflixes of the world to get their content out there, to do so in a very consistent and sustained manner. Uh, it means that we can find markets for our artistic output. And that's, everybody wins there. Not only do you and I get to have, watch really great stuff on netflix and listen to really great things on spotify um, but when we do watch and listen we're going to have even better access to homegrown talent which i know i know, as a canadian i know i know all of our listeners feel the same way um that's exactly what we want uh, I, I love nothing more than listening to a canadian artist on spotify or telling my kids that you know this is exactly you know you know they grew up one ton over from me that mm-hmm. too, is an incredible point of pride we need more of that in canada
0: New bet. Just finally, this uh, $1 billion a year for Canada's creative sector through this uh, bill, that's more than was originally projected. And that talks to, uh, I guess, the popularity of these uh, streaming services and that we can uh, count on that billion dollars uh, growing, you would think, uh, year to year?
1: I hope so. I'd certainly like to see some details that that figure, of course, from Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez, who was speaking to a, a House committee of uh, members of Parliament in Ottawa uh, yesterday. Um, I'd like to see where that billion dollar figure comes from. It's certainly encouraging. Um, you know, like like, where, what are the details around that? But at the same time, if we take that at face value, it means uh, over and above the $3 billion year that are already coming from traditional uh, providers, uh, it means there's more production happening north of the border, uh, which, which means everyone wins. It means that, you know, if your kid is thinking of what to do in school, then certainly production, uh, the artistic community and artistic career path, now becomes much more viable, because now not, it's not only $1 billion, it's it's a billion this year, it's perhaps more next year, it's ongoing and sustainable, which basically means we've got an industry, we've got opportunity, and we have an economy here.
0: Joined by Carmi Levy. Carmi also wanted to talk to you this afternoon about Apple, who yesterday provided a bit of a, a sneak peek at some upcoming uh, tweaks to, uh, of all things, uh, the iPhone. As a matter of fact, some people think uh, maybe they unveiled what could be the eventual replacement for the iPhone or the smartphone.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because you know once you sell like there are a billion iPhones out there in use today, and, and well over two billion billion have been sold since it was first introduced in two thousand and seven. Uh, and once you sell an iPhone to pretty much everyone, then you, you're you're not you know what else are you going to sell them? You have to sell them services. And so what Apple does is every year they introduce new versions of the operating system. So iOS sixteen for the iPhone, iPad OS sixteen for the iPad, Mac OS Ventura for your for your Mac, Watch OS nine for your Apple Watch. Um, And they introduce new features that keep you sort of stuck in that Apple family. Uh, You know, Nobody wants to be the person in a text-based conversation to have the the dreaded green bubble. You want the blue bubble that shows that you are an Apple product user. Uh, And that's a very powerful force. And basically what Apple is doing is is every year at their WWDC Worldwide Developers Conference, they introduce new versions of their software to essentially keep you and me and and those billion other uh, Apple customers in the Apple community so that they'll give you even more reason to stick with it. Even if you don't buy a new iPhone this year, uh, you'll get new features for free and they'll keep that going for a few years. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the big thing this year is, is iMessage, uh, significant investments in that. Um, You can edit, a conversation after you've sent a message. You can undo send, which I've been holding my breath for for years. And you can also, and this one I love, you know, when someone sends you a message, but you don't want to read it because you don't want to show them that you've read it, you can actually go back and mark it as unread. Apple says so that it makes it easier for you to find things. Uh, I'm saying so that it's easier to hide your true intentions from people that you're messaging with. The caveat here is that they have to be Apple users as well. But, you know, as we've seen uh, here in North America, Apple is the dominant uh, mobile platform, and that's probably not going to change anytime soon thanks to these free updates that are coming to us in a few months.
0: All right. Yes, some uh, very interesting uh, new updates and announcements by Apple yesterday. Carmi, we've got to leave it there. Many thanks as always. We'll talk again soon.
1: Great chat, Jeff. Thanks so much.